You're listening to the Leadership in Theology with the Cup of Joe podcast. Today I'm with Dr. Richard Park. He is the founder and president of the Renaissance Group, which strives to connect calling to culture. And today we'll be talking about discerning your calling. Let's take a drink. You're listening to the Leadership in Theology with the Cup of Joe podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know that um, your wife just gave birth to your your first son. That's right. Um, So it means a lot that you would take time out of your busy schedule and be with us. Um, Tell us us a little bit about um, your role with the Renaissance Group and how it came about. Yeah, sure. Um, So I actually um, helped found the group back in 2017. Um, So I'm currently the president and founder and uh, the reason we started it off was actually, like, rewind 15 years before that. I was teaching high school. I was just teaching history at a public high school and enjoying that. And as I often like to say, you know, I had students walking in. A lot of my guy students wearing clothes that were, like, just off the wall, you know, in a lot of different ways. And then maybe some of the female students wearing maybe, as I like to say, like, not, not enough clothes, right? <laughs> and so really, as a result of that, I thought, you know what? We are what we wear. And so why don't we create a culture that kind of reflects what we really want to be and see. And as a result of that, I did what any high school teacher would do, which is I started a clothing company. <laughs> so I actually started a, a t-shirt and a hoodies, kind of graphic tee kind of company. And we just wanted to, uh, we think that people end up becoming what they're beholding. Mm-hmm. And if we constantly are beholding things, whether it's on each other or on social media, or wherever, we're going to become that kind of people. So mm-hmm. our thinking was, why don't we create a culture of beauty so that we can create beautiful people, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and then the last part of that is, well, in order to do that, we need every artist, engineer, elementary school teacher, whatever, pastor, so on and so forth, to be excellent in their calling in order to create that beautiful culture. So that's what we're all about, how to build find their calling. Mm, that's awesome. Now, I know for me as a college student, mm. we feel the pressure that during college, it's that grind time to figure out our calling in life. Mm. What exactly is a calling? That's a great question. Um, uh, in essence, I like to think of it as your why, right? Mm. Um, there's a guy named Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start With Why. Um, there's a comedian. His name was Michael Jr. He's a Christian comedian, but he has a um, YouTube called uh, a video called um, uh, Know Your Why. Mm. And basically, he has this guy who's... Uh, who's like he's just talking to people in the audience and he's a high school music teacher this guy daryl and so he's like okay daryl he's like can you sing you know kind of just playing with him right he's i want you to sing for us amazing grace so he sings a song and it's like it's pretty darn good right um and then he goes and this is like in front of like twenty five thousand people at gateway church in texas and then he goes okay now i want you to sing amazing grace like you were shot in the back when you were a kid your uncle just got out of jail. You know, he just starts going for it, right? He's like, he's like, give me the hood, the ghetto version if you have it, you know? So he sings it, and I, kid, you got to check it, check it out on YouTube, but it's just, it's just incredible the way he sings it, right? To the point where I would say like 90% of all 20,000 people are like on their feet. They're, you know, it's just incredible. So he goes, here's the point why I want you to sing. He says, the first time I asked you to sing, you knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But the second time I asked you to sing, you knew why. And purpose or calling is knowing your why. Mm. And that's why, it's, that's why I think it's so important <laughs> to, like, like, as you're saying, college students, like, oh, why am I taking this class? Or why am I you know, majoring in this? It should all be asked, why are you doing it? Because it's got to feed into your ultimate purpose for what God has put you here on earth for. Yeah. So I think calling is critical to, to everything we do in life. Mm-hmm. Now, some people 
may oftentimes get confused. Is calling the same thing as a job? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I honestly believe that um, calling is bigger than a job because we're also called to be a spouse. Eventually, one day, for some of us, some of us already, we're called to be a good neighbor. We're called to be a good customer at Starbucks, you know, instead of like being rude. So I think calling involves literally everything from our, as I like to say, our nine to five, our job, but also our five to nine. Mm. Like, what do we do with the rest of our time? Like, all of that is our calling. It's to represent Christ well wherever we go. So I think calling has an occupational aspect to it, but I think calling is much more than just, you know, what's my job. Um, it's, your, it's your purpose, not your profession, if mm. you put it that way. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. Mm. Your purpose, not your profession. Now, how does someone find their calling? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So you got to either come to Bangor University, <laughs> take my elective class, or you could go to the REN, you know, our website, and then like check out our online course. But honestly, it's not easy. Um, I have friends who I walk with, folks who are in their 20s, folks who are in their 40s, and folks, even a gentleman who's in their, his 60s, he and I have been meeting regularly for a while. As he's like, Rich, I, don't, I still don't know what I was born for, you know? And that's a reality. A lot of people go into school, grad school, whatever, get their job, and they work for 10, 20 years, and they wake up at 40 years old, and they're like, what am I, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I got a nice house, a family, two kids, whatever, but I don't know what I'm doing, except like just getting a paycheck. But that life is more than a paycheck, right? So they're like wrestling with it at that point. But it's cool that you're thinking about this early on. It's cool that any student at this age, whatever age, early on is thinking about it. And I would say um, uh, it, it involves a lot of things. It involves primarily um, getting to know oneself, mm -hmm. right? So self-awareness is huge. I know we do a lot of stuff on Enneagram around here. I think that's actually a very a good asset to use. Um, so the way I like to think of it is GPS, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you get your GPS, you'll know how to navigate the world, right? So um, for me, GPS turns out to be three things. Your G is your gifts, and that's different from skills. So a lot of people are like, oh, okay, I got a few set of skills and gifts, but how do I know which is which? So I would say an example is gift, right? Like my wife, she's gifted with empathy. She's like mm -hmm. big time empathetic, right? Um, we were sitting at a cafe once doing a little bit of work, you know, one day. And we were taking a break and she was just like scrolling on Facebook. And literally, I look over like two minutes later, she's crying. And I'm like, what is, what, what's going on, you know? And I was like, is the coffee that bad? And I'm thinking, she's like, you know, she's just like going, like, and then I, and she's like, I don't even remember what it was, but she was something like, did you see the news? There are like three cats stuck in an elevator in Albania or something like that, right? And I'm like, wow, she's like super empathetic, you know? Her friends will text her and she'll like, me, a friend will text me, and I'll be like, all right, bro, I'm gonna be praying for you, and sometimes I'll forget if I'm honest, yeah. but she will literally stop what she's doing, she'll pray, like for like two, three minutes, and she'll text back, and she's like, don't worry, I got you, God's got you, you know, and so she feels the person right away. Mm -hmm. Now that's a gift she has, empathy. Now it's now surpri no surprise that she's in mental health care, because as a mental health professional, she has the skills of like active listening, you know, where you like ask questions, pull back, pause, do all that, yeah. but no one's born with that skill, but you are born with a gift. <laughs> I don't think I have the gift of empathy. I try to be as sympathetic as possible, right, when it yeah. comes to it, but I don't have that deep-seated gift. Anyone can develop a skill, right, of active listening. You go to grad school, you can learn active listening. You can do it online probably too, but can you really, uh, you can't develop a gift. You are born with a gift, and then you put skills on top of it. So I would say don't look for skills, look for gifts. Hmm. You know, another example is, people who are in entrepreneurial, like you, I think, you know, starting this podcast and other things. There's 15% of the world are entrepreneurial. We're risk 
tolerant, as they say. We don't mind risk at all, right? And we invite it, in fact. We're like, all right, let's go for it, right? Yeah. 85% of humanity are risk averse. They're like, ah, risk, I'm gonna run the other way, let me give me a stable job, right? So if you are born with the gift of risk tolerance, it might mean you can build skills of entrepreneurship, business, and all that on top of it, and do learn brand marketing, hashtag marketing, all that. Those are skills. No one's born with skills, right? <laughs> Obviously, no one's born out of the womb saying, I know how to hashtag market, right? <laughs> but, but you are born with a gift of being risk tolerant, and that's a good indicator that you may or may not be a small business owner in due time. You know what I'm saying? So that's gifts, right? I'm going kind of, I'm no. going to take a little bit of time on this go, one, if that's all right. But, so that's gifts, right? So gifts over skills. The P is passion. People are like, oh my gosh, I don't know what my passions are because I'm, I'm just interested in too many things. Yeah. But I would say passions and interests are two very different things, right? So, um, so interests, right, are the things that, that kind of come, come and go with time. Passions are, in the Greek, it's what you're willing to suffer for, like passion of the Christ, right? He suffered mm-hmm. on our behalf. So I had a student once ask me, Park, I think I'm called to medical missions, but I'll tell you I have zero passion for, <laughs> for Monday Night Labs, like in BioLab, right? But I'm supposed to be a medical missionary, right? So I said to her, I said, would you rather go three hours every Monday, I get a hunchback, you know, look at their own microscope, or would you go to the library and read Shakespeare for three hours? <laughs> she's like, uh, I don't even know how to spell Shakespeare, right? <laughs> so her whole thing is, she's willing to suffer for her passion because she's got a calling on her life, right? So I would say, what are you willing to suffer for? You know, what is that, that thing where you're like, you know what, I know it means two more years of grad school, but I'm willing to do it because I got to call God in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So that passion is different from like, interest, interest can always come and go, right? But what's the deeper passions? And those things, again, you ask like, okay, how do you find your calling? I mean, self-awareness, prayer, and then mentors who can say like, you know what, that kind of a passion, I don't see in most people. And they can kind of help call it out in you too, you know? Mm-hmm. So they can call out gifts as well as passions in your life. So mentoring is crucial. And the third, the S, I would say is serving God's purposes. Now, I know that could sound like just Christian needs, like, oh, okay, let's serve God, right? But if you can take your gifts and your passions, the S would be like, for example, I think one of the purposes of God in our generation is racial reconciliation. That's a big thing. I think uh, mental health is a a purpose of God that he's trying to redeem. Um, All that to say, I don't think there are like billions of purposes. I also don't think there are like two. (laughs) I think they're probably like, Three, four, five, six dozen things that God is up to in our generation yeah. that He wasn't doing 50 years ago and that He's not going to be doing, say, 50 years from now. But in our generation, how can you take your gifts, what you're born with, your passions, what you're born for, and put them in service of God's purposes? And you got that, you know, Venn diagram, the GPS. I would say that's how you can really think through your calling. Mm, that's you know? so good. So, what do you feel is the hardest part about finding your the center balance of your GPS? I honestly think that. One of the hardest things is for people to figure out what they're really passionate about. The G and the P are hard. The S, I think, just comes with like mentorship and people who can speak into like, okay, what's God up to in our generation? People who like literally not just read the news but prayed over it for like 20, 30 years. Like, okay, this is what God is doing in our generation. The S part, you can figure out with some help, some wisdom with some other people. But the G and the P are hard. I mean, it's really hard to know what what really are my gifts. Not just like some skills, but my gifts. And I think... um, Getting a sense of self-awareness is difficult, and so it takes time, it takes community to speak into it. Um, so um, the thing I kind of recommend for people to do that, with the, especially the passion part, is there's a book by Burnett and Evans, they wrote a book called Designing Your Life, and one's a Christian, one's, one's not, but they both teach at Stanford, and 
they, uh, they wrote this book and they said passion for most people come after they, they try something and discover they like it and then go all in on it, mm -hmm. right? Most people are like, oh, let me just hang out here at the beach, figure out what I'm passionate <laughs> about, right? Yeah. Um, but, but I think it really is trial and error. And so, um, for example, like I, well, early on, like I guess around 30 or something, I went and I gave, I was part of this conference in the Philippines and uh, they invited us for this like five day conference actually. And long story short, we got there, long flight, landed. It was like noon, but we were gonna stay up all till evening because we wanted to fight jet lag. So we stayed up and we're up like 24 hours at this point. We're like dead tired, but at the same time, we're like excited. So we give our like three hour thing. I give the last bit and then we do a Q&A. So we're like talking 10 p.m. at this point. Oh, gosh. And then the MC, I finish up, the MC grabs the mic and he's like, how many of you guys enjoyed that Q&A? And they were like, you know, yay. And then like, and then how many of you guys were that, that hour and a half of Q&A? And then, you know, they're like, yeah. And then, and then um, I actually grabbed the mic because I was so excited. I was in it and we were just flowing. And so I grabbed the mic back and I was like, I would enjoy it, you know? And then my team, they're like, no, we're done. You know, we need to go back. We got four more days, right? But I think what I felt at that moment was as I went back to the, the dorm where we were staying, I jumped on my laptop and I emailed my mentor. I said, Dave, I think I know what I was born for, right? There was this moment I felt it like in my bones. And then he goes, he, even though he was in the state in California, he wrote back that he was up at that time, the difference or whatever, but he was up and he wrote back and he was like, Rich, pay attention to your body. This doesn't happen for most people in their life, if ever, pay attention to your body. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second, did Dave go Eastern mysticism on me? Like, like <laughs> what is that, right? Yeah. But there's something true. Like, I mean, because we're not just souls, we're bodies. Yeah. And God has created us that way. We feel, as one person says, we feel our God's pleasure when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that. And so it wouldn't have happened if I was just sitting on the beach trying to think through, like, what's my passion? But as you go about doing certain things, you will come to see, like, wow, this brings me really fully alive. And I think really it's, that's why I highly encourage internships, paid or not, you know, do as many as you can do, mm -hmm. part-time jobs, do whatever it takes, do a gap year if needed. If you haven't figured out next steps, then in that gap year, I was telling one of my students, I remember telling her, the best way to do a gap year is do four internships and two part-time jobs. <laughs> if you can do it. Like if you can do it, you have some money to make it sustainable, yeah. but you can touch six, seven different industries and as a result of that, it really sets yourself up for the next, you know, several decades mm -hmm. on the front end rather than like going in on grad school and then realizing, wait a second, that's not me. You know, there's a lot of people who do that. People go to law school, spend two, three years and a whole lot of money. You're like, wait a second, I hate law, right? <laughs> or I hate law school. So they don't go and be a lawyer. But why not do that on the front end? So I would say trial and error is huge. Yeah. How about for those that are later in their years? Same thing. You know, um, it's hard to it's hard to be able to do that like yeah once you've got a mortgage and all the rest yeah but um, and and I think as we get older we do can tend to know ourselves better so it may not take an entire 12 months it might just take 12 weeks it might just take a couple of weeks but as you take a gap from whatever you're doing or it might be the moonlighting thing so I've got friends who are in their 30s and 40s one gentleman of whom he's a, he's a he's a medic he's a doctor he's a ER doc no no he's a surgeon and as a surgeon, he went to med school and he's doing fine and he's somewhat enjoying his life as a doctor. But in himself, he's always felt like he needed to be a screenwriter in Hollywood. And he lives right here in LA. And so for him, he's always had that itch in his, you know, in his body to go ahead and scratch. And so he started moonlighting. He started taking these evening classes at CBS. And eventually, he wrote a couple pilots that are now getting aired. Mm -hmm. And I connected him with you know, someone who's in Hollywood. And so 
the Renaissance group, as you mentioned, we're doing a lot of that. So uh, of, of, of connecting folks like that. And so he's now moonlighting as a screenwriter, but daytime as a, as a doctor. So mm -hmm. I think people have to get creative, you know, to kind of fulfill their passion. I, I talk about the practical and the passionate. You got to pay the bills, but you really want to end up doing the passionate full time if you can. Yeah. So sometimes it's a sliding scale. So I think if you're like 35, full-time job, mortgage, and a kid, then maybe it's more like evenings and weekends where you can carve it out versus like, let me just take a gap here. You know, like that might not go so well with a spouse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but I do think that it's, life is too short to just do the practical. Mm -hmm. I think at some point you got to slide into the passion. And, and people are excited around you when you're doing the you're passionate about this podcast and no one's like paying you but unless i don't know about that you know? <laughs> no, no, not at all <laughs> you know but because you're passionate about it people on campus here are also happy to come on the show with you to do it mm -hmm. you know and then even like spread about it on social right because there is so at some point the the world and the kingdom will be lit on fire if you see people passionately doing with it and whether that means being a software engineer to being you know what i mean like an artist yeah. of some kind Let's go in on our passion, but, but, but be wise about it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, how do you know a calling is a calling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, through a, lot of, through a lot of patience and prayer and time and confirmation, um, yeah, this is more an art than a science. I mean, I talk about the Venn diagram, it feels sort of sciencey, but it's frameworks that are meant to help us get, as I like to say, 80% of the way there. Mm -hmm. But the last 20% is a soft science. It's more mm -hmm. of an art. You gotta like pray through it. You gotta be in conversation. You gotta get that one-off affirmation from somebody somewhere who says, man, when you did that, the way you did it, man, that, that just blew my mind or that just really touched my heart. Those little touch points and confirmations, I think will eventually help you see like, okay, this is the thing that God has got me doing, you know? Yeah. So I think uh, the answer to that is, you, you're 80% you're sure for yeah. most things in life, you know, but as you go through like, you know, read a couple books, as you talk to different people, and again, we have some resources at the REN, but um, wherever you are, whether it's online or it doesn't have to be like through our website, but there are other places that you can get some pretty helpful things and you can get 80% of the way there. But I would say the last 20% is really prayer and mentorship. You get someone who's twice your age or whatever, like 20 years older than you, who know like, so, you know, uh, plenty of other people like your age or they might be like, hey, dude, the thing that you're doing that reminds me of my nephew when he was your age or myself. And they can see things that our friends can't see. Mm -hmm. So I always think that community is healthy when it's both horizontal and vertical. So you've mm -hmm. got peers, but then you also have mentors who can speak down into your life. And so I think that last 20 percent is really through through mentorship and prayer and and, and confirmation. Mm. Yeah. How do you know if your calling is coming from God mm. or if it's just something you feel like you want to do? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, um, I, I, and here's a short answer. Ideally, it's both. You know, like I'm, 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 I'm sometimes uh, a little bit too scared of people who are like, it's either God or it's me. Sometimes God uses your very good thoughts to get you to where he wants you to be. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. it can be very much the, the one and the same. Right? Um, um so I think, I think the short answer is, why can't it be both? But I get you, like a lot of times we're like, I don't know, like, am I wanting this new job because it's, you know, the high pay or whatever, and it's just me who wants it, or does God actually want me to be in it? And I honestly think, I use, um, it, it's, it's a bit to get into, but I use four S's to kind of discern the will of God, mm. right? Got a lot of scripture, the first S. Second S would be that um, you've got confirmation through uh, the Spirit. And so the, I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks through other people to us as well. 
Um, I'm both, as I like to say, lowercase e evangelical and lowercase p Pentecostal. <laughs> I believe in the importance of the word evangelical, so scripture for sure, but also Pentecostal because I think the, the, the Spirit speaks to us today. And so, um, so, so scripture, the Spirit, thirdly, the saints, and by that I mean just people, God's people confirming things on you. Um, you might be listening to a radio one day, you know, a radio uh, sermon or something, and people speaking. I think God does speak through the radio, you know? <laughs> I know people are like, what? Well, that's crazy. Um, uh, and then the fourth S is situations. I think even in Acts 16 and Acts 18, we have Paul not going in certain directions on his mission trip because the Holy Spirit redirected and the situation didn't allow it and so forth. So there are situations open and closed doors that God uses to get us to where he wants us to go. So the scripture, spirit, saints, and situation. And by the way, on the saints thing, I think that includes podcasts. Um, I think God speaks through podcasts. The only, I know this sounds crazy, you know, you're like, God speaks through podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he speaks through books, right? Of course he does. Um, the only thing I would be careful of is social media because you know nowadays, like yeah. whether it's Google or so, YouTube or so, Instagram, their algorithm, they listen in on a conversation. So if you're like, hey man, I'm praying about going to Haiti, and then you see it, it's an ad on. It doesn't necessarily mean God, that's just Google, right? So like, um, but podcasts are different because you download them, you listen to when you, and maybe the Spirit is um, 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 guiding you to listen to it. So I think podcasts are a little bit different that way, but just straight social can be careful, you gotta be careful, is what I'm gonna say. Yeah. Those four S's, I think, for me are like are helpful filters. It's not, it's not foolproof, but I think um, I found that pretty helpful. So then you know it's not just like, oh, your own thought, but it's been confirmed, you know, through those four S's. Yeah, I think that's so important to point out, the social media aspect. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of times people can get confused. If they see something on their social media, right, right, they're right, like, right. oh my gosh, maybe I should buy this. Or maybe <laughs> yeah, God is really yeah. telling me to get something. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's so interesting. Yeah. So when I see stuff on social and I see someone like Kanye West yeah. pop up on you know, I feel like that's God telling me I need to connect with him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. No, no, I'm just and you're more Lecrae too. Yeah, that's right. Lecrae, shout out you. Is there a difference between dreams and calling? Mm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. These are all really good questions. Um, um, yeah, someone asked the other way, I remember in, the, in a lab I was in recently, they were like, is it, what about visions versus calling, you know, or dreams versus calling? Um, and uh, someone I was with on the panel, they put it nicely. Um, actually, it was Ed Lee, the founder of Wahoo's Tacos. Mm. So he's kind of connected with us at the Ren too. But he was like, um, I think you can have multiple visions um, even if your calling is the same. So the way I like to put it is, I think calling is singular. I think it stays with you your whole life. Mm. I think context keeps shifting. So for example, like I, I think my calling, and I like to put it, I think, is basically to bridge a church in the academy with theology. So I'll be on a podcast, I'll write a blog or do a blog. Those are certain contexts. I'll speak at a church or give a lecture here at the university, right? Those are different contexts. But no matter my context, I'm constantly trying to fulfill that thing of bridging the church and the academy with theology, right? So calling is singular, context continually change. Maybe one day all I do my whole life is full-time be a writer or something. That's, that's fine, that's a different content. From my, I'm still trying to bridge the church and academy, right? Yeah. So my encouragement to folks would be, hey, find that, as I like to say, really that eight to 15 word calling statement that you can craft and think carefully and pray it over and get that right, because then everything else will feed into it and you'll know how to filter you know, through that one calling statement. You know? um, but to answer your question about dreams and visions, same thing, I would say, what's your calling? Focus on that. And then the Lord, for different seasons of your life, might give you dreams and visions. Really, he might be like, hey, Joe, 
as your calling is X, Y, and Z. Now I want you for five years to consider doing that in Asia. Just like Francis Chan is now moving to Asia as a result of what he feels like the Lord is having him do. For 20 years, he was at Simi Valley Passionate Church in suburban America, you know? Yeah. So he's got visions, but his calling is, you know he's going to be doing the same thing when yeah. he gets to Myanmar mm -hmm. as he's been doing, rightly so, you know? Yeah. And so, like, that's why I think don't, kept, don't chase the dream, right? Ground yourself in the calling and then let the Lord, you know, put new dreams and visions in your heart as the seasons change, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's why I'm so huge, big on calling. Once you figure out calling, my uh, mentor, Dr. Guinness, he, he was, we, we were in Oxford literally a week before I was finishing up and flying back here in Orange County. And he said, Rich, as you now graduate with your doctorate at Oxford, you're gonna get all kinds of opportunities coming your way. And I was like, actually, <laughs> a doctorate you know, in theology is not gonna be easily hireable, right? And he's like, you're gonna get a lot of opportunities. And then he said something I won't forget, is our last lunch in Oxford, he said, be sure to be able to say no to those opportunities that aren't central to your calling, mm. right? And that's not easy, right? Because you get a lot of opportunities coming your way and some of them have a nice salary attached to them or whatever, but I, that, that, that kept with me and um, to be able to say no to the things that aren't central to your calling, I think that's when you live actually the most fulfilled and flourishing life you can. Mm. You could live a very high paid life, but uh, to be honest, people will be honest with you, not, I mean, pretty miserable, right? You can be a miserable millionaire, right? Or you can be a fulfilled, flourishing person who follows the Lord and the calling He's got on your life. But to do that, take, I don't know, six months, a year, or whatever it takes to really discern, okay, what's that 10 word calling statement? Because that will help you filter out those things that aren't central. Mm. Where does the 10 word calling statement stem from? Yeah, I know. So I, I like to sometimes just put numbers to it to kind of just make it helpful because, you know, what you don't want is like a, an essay on your college statement. <laughs> like, don't, you're, you're not even going to read it, right? You're going to be bored by yourself. But like, <laughs> but like you also, you can, I don't think you can do it in like three, like, uh, like three words, like Nike, just do it. Like, you know, yeah. like just do what? What's your column, right? So yeah. that's why I think it takes somewhere around like eight, 10, 15 words to hammer out. And I actually got this, I got like these, all these little, like almost like 10 principles on like how to write a good calling statement. And I can kind of share that with you on a slide or something, maybe for the show notes or whatever. But I honestly do think that there's good ways of crafting a calling statement. And people are like, what is in a calling statement? Who cares like, if you can yeah. write it out or not? But actually, when you write things out, it gets clearer. And the clearer your thoughts are, the clearer I think your calling, your life will be that matches up to what you're aiming at. Because if you don't have anything to aim at, you're gonna, you're gonna miss it, right? Yeah. So I think having a clear calling statement will give you direction. And um, honestly, it's the kind of thing you don't want to just be like, okay, I got it, I wrote it down. So, you know, to be a millionaire by 25, like, you know, like, again, I don't know why, you, but like, you know, that's not a calling. You know, that's, that's a goal that can be part of your calling. But again, why has God placed you on this earth in, at this time in history? What gifts and passions and what purposes are you fulfilling? And if you can get a clear calling statement, honestly, it will serve you for the next 30, 40, 50, 80 years of life. And, um, you know, I think of William Overforth, we talked about him in class recently, but he basically said, God has put on my, God has put before me two great objects. One, the suppression of the slave trade, right, to get rid of slavery in the British Empire back then. And two, the reformation of manners, which basically means like to make society moral again. Mm -hmm. And um, over the course of, you know, 40, year, 40 years, he did that. And he died at the end of his life, just right before he died, the bill was passed 
passed and, uh, and slavery was ended. So here's a man whose calling statement and life's work kind of culminated at the same time. Um, but for us, I think we all have to, and, and, and people will look on lives like this and, um, and say, look, here's a person who was faithful to his caller and to his calling, um, but the only way he, people don't know that is if you actually, you yourself know, right, what your calling is. Um, you know, um, I don't know, it sounds like a silly analogy that kind of came to mind right now, but you know that whole phrase, especially in the college world of like DTR, you know, like <laughs> defining the relationship, right? And that's always important and oftentimes it's brought up by the girl, sometimes by the guy, like, hey, where are we, who are we, what are we, right? You know, what's our status, you know? And, um, and I think the reason people ask that is because people need definition. Yeah. You know, people need clarity and identity. And so by having a calling statement, it's like giving yourself a DTR. You know, <laughs> what, what am I? What has God called me to be and to do? I think that just makes things a lot less, you know, complicated. <laughs> do you feel like there's an age that you have to figure out your calling by? You know, no, I don't, I mean, like, that's a good question. But, you know, of course, God is redemptive of, of all our life, right? So at any point, you know, he can bring it about. But I, I, as with anything, the, the sooner, as anything that's important like this, you know, the earlier the better. Honestly, an ideal age would be like 16, 18, 20. And the reason I say that is because, as again, my, my mentor, he was on a podcast, Dr. Guinness, he was being interviewed, and he said, hey, one simple, super practical advice um, from calling, because you wrote a book on the call, what would you say, you know, would be that one deeply, just super practical. And he would say, rather than folks figuring out calling at 26, what if at 16, they figure it out, why? Because people go from high school to college, college to grad school, they're 26 years old, and they go, what am I supposed to do with my life? Right? <laughs> what if at 16, they figured out their calling so that their college, their major, and then their career fit in line with what they figured out on the front end? Mm -hmm. And that's why with the REN, we're passionate about doing that college and even younger, because then by, by the time they are figuring out big decisions, like what should I major in, what should I go to grad school, what should I work my internship should be, they were trying to filter it through their calling again. Mm -hmm. So ideal is 16, 18, 20, 22, but again, I've got friends who are close to me at 42 and 62. I'm literally thinking of two people at 42 and, and 62, both of whom uh, have said to me, Rich, I don't know what else to do with my life. <laughs> and it's never too late, right? Yeah. Um, God is always redeeming things. And so uh, whether they have 40 more years or 20 more years or whatever, God wants to use all those years. And so um, it's never too late. I'm glad that you added that redeeming part because a lot of times the thing that I tell my peers that are in college, like we have this overwhelming pressure of mm. trying to figure out what God has called us to for yeah. the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like to tell them sometimes that like even though, or don't worry because even though if we make the wrong decision, God will redeem our, our wrong decision. Um, so that kind of relieves the pressure a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier a little bit that your calling follows you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Can your calling change? Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. These are really good questions, man. Wow. Um, I, I would only say it depends on, it all depends on how we use our words, right? Yeah. So if some people are like, oh, well, I think calling can change. Because before I was like a software engineer, you know, living for God in Sydney, but, I mean, Silicon Valley or whatever. And now I'm doing this over here as a missionary and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I think that's entirely fine. But I bet... That person who's now a missionary in blah, 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 <laughs> where, where, like in, wherever, in Kenya or Korea or whatever, I, in Kauai, that person is probably living 
for Jesus in the same kind of way, hopefully, if he did it right, as he was in Silicon Valley, if that makes sense. So my point is this. You can have a calling, which I think is singular and constant, if you get it right, and then, again, like your context can change. So let me, let me think of an example, right? So, um, so actually, going back to that gentleman, Michael Jr., who's that comedian, he says, look, I'm a comedian, but actually my purpose is to inspire people to walk in their purpose. So he'll tell jokes on stage, but he'll also write books, and then he goes, and then I'll just hang out with my friends on a Friday night, I'm still living my calling. Yeah. I'm just trying to get people inspired to do their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Or check out this lady, her name is Celeste Headley, she's not even a Christian, I don't think she is, but she, she's, she gets it. On a TEDx talk, she was like, I'm an opera singer by night, but my day job is an NPR radio broadcaster. Mm-hmm. She said, but my mission is the same. She called it mission, we call it calling. She said, my mission is the same, which is to motivate and inspire people by the power of my voice. So as an opera singer or a broadcaster, <laughs> she's doing the same thing. Yeah. That's what I love. She's got one calling, two jobs, two contexts, right? So over time, you can have many different contexts, many different seasons of life and visions again as well. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you give me someone who figured out their singular mission, their singular calling, man, they're freed up to do whatever, but it always leads back to who they are. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's so crucial to figure out gifts and passions, you know? Yeah. Like you too, Joe, like early on, as you figure out like, Man, what is, because God has given everyone a gift, yeah. some he's given multiple gifts to, but as, as you figure out, man, what's the thing that he's made me born with that I, I, I'm beginning to peer into, and then what's the thing that I'll do, even if I get paid very little or next to nothing, what's that passion that just drives me? You bring those things together, and I'm telling you, wherever you go, the world and the kingdom will be lit on fire because they're like, man, Joe's doing this thing, and doing your thing is your calling. That's just yeah. all it is, yeah. And as you do it for the Lord, all the more. So good. Yeah. Do you think somebody can lose their calling? Is it possible to lose a calling? I, I, I would put it this way. I think people can uh, lose awareness of their calling. Mm. I think their calling is probably always there. It's yeah. just how connected to God are we to discern what it is. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to say calling your, your salvation and you can't do something. <laughs> but I am going to say that definitely it's a matter of awareness. To, uh, the last two questions yeah. that we have. Um, what do you think causes people to not find their calling? Oh, uh, that's great. Um, that's a really good question. And I, if I had to point to one thing, probably, it would be back to the thing of self-awareness. We just lack self-awareness, right? So two stories. One is involves this um, brilliant like, gentleman who's a Christian. It's kind of, he's really a genius um, over at Oxford, right? So my, my buddy and I, Max, we're finishing up our doctorate. And he and I, as we're finishing up, we're like, hey, once we finish our degree, what do you want to do? Like, hey, what if you and I wrote a book together, right? And we were like, what should we write on? And then we're like, let's think about it. So we were just chatting away on a Saturday night. And he's like, and we were both like, what if we wrote on like God's sovereignty and human free will? You know, like yeah. as if nobody already tackled that subject, right? <laughs> we're like, hey, you do it from the philosophical, I'll do it from the theological, we'll combine our forces, we'll write that book. You know, we'll figure it out for once and for all, right? Kind of very arrogant a little bit, right? But uh, we're like, hey, that'd be a pretty cool topic, actually. So we thought about it. Next day, on the, on the Sunday, we come to church, and at church is Dr. John Lennox, and who is like this guy I'm talking about, right? He's a mm-hmm. brilliant mathematician, but also like just brilliant guy, right? And, and but very warm-hearted gentleman. We, we know him personally, and so we're like, oh, hey, John's here speaking. And so he's speaking on the book of Daniel. I don't remember all that he said, but one of the things I remember was he's like here in the city of Oxford. We're doing some big things. Some of you guys are doing like astrophysics. Some of you guys are doing nanotechnology. We're doing all sorts of big things. Some of you guys are doing theology and thinking big thoughts, right? Yeah. And then he goes. Some of you are specifically thinking about, for example, the problem of God's sovereignty and human free will. 
And that's great for some of you. Others of you shouldn't be thinking about that because it's not your calling. And then he points right at me and Matt. No, I'm just kidding. you <laughs> crazy, right? But basically, it was just staggering that he would even do that, right? In the middle of his sermon, he said the thing that Max and I were just talking about. And so at lunch, Max and I and then our wives were there and we we're like, hey, wasn't that interesting that like John, like we hadn't, we hadn't told him anything, it was like Saturday night, but he just basically did that, right? And so we're like, wow, that kind of gave us pause, right? So what's my point? In Romans 12, 3, Paul says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, right? But think of yourself as sober judgment. In other words, be self-aware. Now, I would encourage some folks who I think have the opposite problem, but the outcome is the same. They think too lowly of themselves than they ought. But the problem is still the same, which is they lack self-awareness. Some of them need to go from, oh, I can't do anything, to like, wait a second, you're up here, to I can do everything, wait a second, you're over here, right? So it's self-awareness. So the second story is this. I have a friend who's a child psychiatrist, right? So she's been working in animal psychiatry for a long time now. And I was hanging out with her on a Saturday, I think it was on a Saturday random weekend, and I was just chatting and I was like, hey, um, and then I just asked her, I was like, hey, I'm getting to write this talk for the youth on this one thing at this church. Um, Quick question for you, out of all your years of working with teens, what would you say, what would you wish on like every 14 year old in America, so that literally like in 10 years time, when they're 24, they wouldn't necessarily have to visit your office as a psychiatrist, you know, like how do you keep yourself out of a job? <laughs> but honestly, like, how do we help the youth to um, do well through the years of mental health and all that, right? Like they don't struggle as much. And I was like, uh, she's like one or two things. I was like, yeah, just one or two things, you know? And then she goes, she thought about it for like half a minute. She's like, she said two things. I'll just show the first thing she said. She goes, identity. If they figure out who they are and what God has called them to do in their life, sex, drugs, and all other kind of things, they're just not going to be as interested in those things um, in the wrong way because they've got a call on their, of God on their life and they're just wrapped up in that, you know? Yeah. If they figure out who they are. So self-awareness. I think people, uh, to your question, won't get calling very well if they're not self-aware. And again, how do you get self-awareness? I would say GPS. I would say through mentorship, figuring out, as I like to say, passions, what you enjoy doing, gifts, what others enjoy you doing. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that is a, a good formula for figuring out, okay, this is what I was made for. So I think self-awareness is key to so much of life. Yeah, I feel like that's important. The self-awareness part yeah, is key because yeah. I feel like as a college student or a young adult, like I want somebody to tell me mm. what am I called to do? Huh. We want people to tell us. Yeah, but right. it's a self-discovery thing. Yeah. It takes time. Absolutely. And we don't want to, we don't want to, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't want to invest that time. So right, it's, right. Kinda, it's hard work. It, it, yeah, it yeah. Is. And I think mentors are there to guide, but you're right, ultimately, it's got to be discerned between oneself and the Lord, ultimately, with mm -hmm. some input, but it, you got to, you got to be so convinced, like William Wilberforce, you know, he got a call of God in his life and it changed history, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so what is that? that thing that God has given us, each of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the last question. Yeah. How does calling connect to culture? Uh, good question. Um, and uh, um, honestly, the short answer is through the Renaissance. But <laughs> 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 that's our slogan, right? Connect yes. to calling to culture. The reason, the reason that we like to say that is, um, uh, I mean, I teach theology here, right, at Vanguard, which I love, and I'm, I'm so grateful for this job. And one of the things theologians believe, and a lot of people believe in general, is that we become what we believe. Yeah. So if you believe certain things, you'll become that kind of a person, right? So if belief matters, then doctrine and theology hugely are important, right? So we become what we believe. 
But I also think because humans aren't just brains, we don't just believe things with our heads, we actually are moved by our heart. So I think we actually also become what we behold. And to, to be honest, today what we're holding is this. Yeah. We're beholding what's on social. We're beholding all kinds of things in Hollywood and everywhere else. And it's not a bad thing. So if it's just true that we become... I think of the young boy who wants to be a pitcher when he grows up. And he just watch, watches like Clayton Kershaw or whoever, right? Yeah. Throwing the ball. He's, he understands, without even saying it, he understands intuitively that if he just watches that on, on repeat enough times... He's going to throw like Clayton one day, right? So he's going to become what, we, what he's constantly beholding. Or think of the young girls watching his mom put, her, put on makeup, right? She mimics her because the more she watches her, she's going to become this beautiful person. She's like a mom, right? So I think in the same way, whatever we're beholding, we're going to become that way. Mm-hmm. So for the Ren, we're thinking, well, then why not put out beautiful culture so that we become beautiful people? And again, the only way that's going to happen is when, as I, you know, in class, I love to point to people like Steph Curry or Lecrae or whoever, um, the dentist who loves the Lord, because when we go to the dentist and we're beholding a man with great character, a woman with great character, who's doing excellent work, but also, you know, has like Christian music playing or whatever it is, you know, I'm not trying to be cheesy, but whatever the thing is, gosh, we just need people who are excellent in their field. And then... We'll, those people will create that beautiful culture. But the only way they're going to be excellent as a field is if they know what their field is. Yeah. So that's why calling to culture. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Uh, uh, no, I mean, um, yeah, no, I, think, I, I think folks, I would just encourage them to do the whole thing, as I like to say, lowercase, but evangelical and Pentecostal. Like, be people of, the, of the, a word, be thoughtful, read books on this stuff, and so forth but then be Pentecostal, be really open to the voice of the Spirit because you can read a hundred books but still not get calling. Yeah. Um, I think you really need both. I think we need to recognize and resource and respect the Word and we need to recognize and resource and respect the Spirit and when those come together, then I think um, that's, a, that's a recipe uh, for a great life well lived. That's so good. Well, thank you so much again for joining thank us. You, thank, uh, you. thank you for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to um, email us at lt with a cup of joe at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at lt cup of joe. And make sure to tune in the second Thursday of every month for a new podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. And remember, even the little things make a difference. <laughs>